Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then he then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself, go board yourself. You wanna smoke? Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number one fourteen hundred and fourteen of Grow Bud Yourself. Uh, we got a great show in store for you guys. We're going to talk a little news. Uh, we're going to do a seed giveaway, um, so stick around for that. Uh, we are going to replay an interview with our friend Milo Young uh, from Big Buddha Seeds, Big Buddha, um, who passed away last week. Uh, we're going to replay an interview we did with him a while back on the show so that uh, people can hear that as a tribute. Uh, and then we got some grow tips and uh, answers to listener grow questions as well. Uh, so stick around. Episode number 114 brought to you by Seeds Here Now, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, and Excelsior Extracts is coming at you. All right. Welcome back. How are you all out there in uh, Grow Bud Yourself land? Uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you're uh, trimming a harvest, getting plants ready for a harvest, hanging out on the treadmill, uh, driving around, whatever you might be doing. Um, thank you for spending time with us. And uh, how are you, Mike? I'm doing well. Episode 114. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it is. I think <laughs> no, it, is. it is. And it as is. I should also say, as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Uh, for the incredible theme song uh, that always gets stuck in my head. Uh, great tune, and uh, hopefully it motivates people to grow their own cannabis. That's what uh, that's what this is all about, I think. So, Well, you know what else can motivate people to grow their own cannabis is cannabis seeds. <laughs> Indeed, and we have a wonderful giveaway courtesy of our advertiser, Seeds Here Now, uh, available at seedsherenow.com. Um, the code there is GBY free ship uh, for free shipping on your order of any seeds of your choice. But we're going to give away uh, three packs of seeds. I have these are TH seeds, uh, Zeta crossed with Sage. It's the Zeta Sage. Um, it's a sativa dominant hybrid. It combines uh, Sage and I guess the Zeta is their version of, a, of an OG Kush. Um, THC's version. Um, that's our friend Doug from uh, Doug and Adam, of course. Uh, Adam from the Adam Dunn Show. Uh, some crossover here between us and them. So hopefully <laughs> uh, you guys listen to them as well. Uh, but yeah, the flavors of Zeta Sage, it's like sweet sort of pungent mix. Uh, this is from Leafly basically, but they say um, there's a sharp diesel and blueberry kind of uh, flavor and scent uh, that leaves a lingering menthol aftertaste. That's got to be from the uh, from the Kush. Um, as far as effect, it's uplifting. A uh, rush of euphoric effects provides for a heady buzz that relaxes the body without overpowering. Um, so great daytime weed. Uh, Zeta crossed with sage. Um, very interesting uh, pungent flavors. And we're doing a giveaway. I've got five, uh, three five packs of regular seeds. Um, and we're going to give them away to a random person who comments on the Instagram post from Grow Bud Yourself for this episode, episode 114. And basically just comment with uh, why you think you deserve the seeds and uh, use the hashtag uh, Grow Bud Yourself and 
be sure to tag uh, tag Grow Bud yourself and tag Seeds Here Now um, at their Instagram. Uh, and that would be awesome. And that we will pick one, uh, three of the people who respond uh, to be the winners of the seeds. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get some people there on our Instagram page uh, commenting. So um, thank you guys and really appreciate the support. And if you want some free seeds, follow those directions and uh, and apply for your seeds. Yeah, come and get them. TH Seeds, good stuff. Apparently, uh, we just keep having the same guests as the Adam Dunn show. So <laughs> yeah, you know, when I go do? on their show, they always <laughs> they always laugh about us having guests on our show right after they were on their show. But you know, I think it's more of a coincidence than it's a uh, small anything. world. You know, small <laughs> industry. So what are you gonna do? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love being on that show, and uh, we've had Adam on here as well a few times, and um, you know, definitely. Uh, you know, appreciate TH Seeds and Hemp Hood Lamb and uh, Adam Dunshow and everything that he's been able to accomplish in, in all these years. Indeed. Indeed. So um, we have a lot to, to get to here, an excellent cultivation segment, uh, the interview, but maybe we should start things off with a little cannabis news. Do it. We've got some good news this week for a change, and uh, it starts off in Delaware. Delaware is going to become the 22nd state to legalize recreational pot. As we discussed a few weeks back here, uh, the state House and Senate approved a pair of bills that would legalize cannabis and establish a regulated market for adult use. The problem at the time was Governor John Carney, who opposed legalization. In fact, uh, Carney already had the opportunity to sign a legalization bill into law last year and instead chose to veto it. This year, armed with veto power, the legislature was in a much stronger position, and Governor Carney opted to allow the bills to become law without his signature. Uh, the governor said that while his views on cannabis have not changed, he would not block the uh, he would not block legalization. With Carney's decision to stand down, uh, Delaware has now passed two reform measures. One makes it the twenty second state to legalize cannabis for adults. The other establishes a retail program, and pro-pot Delawareans owe a debt to Representative Ed Osensky, whose tireless effort and uh, support made the legalization and regulation bills possible. The marijuana measures allow those 21 and older to possess and purchase up to an ounce of cannabis. Within the first 16 months, regulators can approve up to 30 retail licenses. Um, however, public consumption and home cultivation are not allowed under the adult use law but hey delaware welcome to the club absolutely great news and uh great to actually see that the governor whether he changed his mind or not at least changed uh you know what what how he responded and and um you know honored the will of the people which uh is what government's supposed to be about so uh yeah i mean hey good for him eventually you know figuring out that this is going to happen and he, he can't stand in the way anymore and yeah for no, the people uh... of delaware i mean you know it makes sense the whole east coast is going legal and uh you know then you have these these holdout states like new hampshire and a couple of others that you know continue to resist but you know eventually will be won over so we'll see <laughs> well speaking of new hampshire uh we should get to them next and that's another case of an interesting governor but in uh, in new hampshire a, um, a legalization bill, which passed that state's house, uh, we discussed that a few episodes back as well, 
It has now been defeated by the Senate in a 14 to 10 vote. As we repeatedly mentioned here, the House is not responsible for making New Hampshire an island, which stands alone in the Northeast as the only prohibitionist state in the region. The Senate is the problem there. Well, the Senate and previously the governor, Chris Sununu. However, after the legalization bill had been voted down, in a pretty odd turn of events, Governor Sununu, who had been staunchly against any marijuana law reform in New Hampshire, announced that he would support legalization, but only through a state-run program, essentially a system in which the state oversees adult-use sales as they do liquor sales. So if New Hampshire managed to pass uh, such a legalization law, it would create the first state-run cannabis program in the country. And one issue with this plan, the primary issue with it really, is that uh, virtually no one wants it. Even cannabis advocates working tirelessly to uh, get reform going in New Hampshire are wary of a state-run adult-use program. The second problem is passing the law. A bill to legalize a state-run model narrowly passed the New Hampshire House last year, but it received no support in the Senate. And I mean that literally. It received zero votes. So perhaps uh, Governor Sununu wants to appear as if he's open to reform by offering a solution he knows that won't move forward, or maybe he really feels that this is the best option for New Hampshire. Regarding his sudden switch in positions which occurs just as uh, the governor is considering running for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Sununu said, uh, New Hampshire is the only state in New England where recreational use is not legal. That's right. Uh, knowing that a majority of our residents support legalization, it is reasonable to assume change is inevitable. To ignore this reality would be short short-sighted and harmful. And the governor also said, uh, that is why, with the right policy and framework in place, I stand ready to sign a legalization bill that puts the state of New Hampshire in the driver's seat, focusing on harm reduction, not profits. Similar to our liquor stores, this path helps to keep substances away from kids by ensuring the state of New Hampshire retains control of marketing, sales, and distribution, eliminating any need for additional taxes. So that's uh, that's what's going on in New Hampshire. The governor suddenly has uh, has changed his position. Huh, interesting. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, they come around. They're surrounded by legal states. They're the live free or die state. I don't know how having the state be in charge of uh, all of that, you know, <laughs> jives with the whole live free or die thing that they're all about. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of libertarians up in them, their parts, and uh, they certainly should support uh, legalization and and states' rights and you know, uh, the government getting out of uh, our faces as far as any plant that we choose to grow on our personal property. Um, so, yeah, good news. Well, I don't know if it's good news, but some news. <laughs> it's news. Out of New Hampshire, great news out of Delaware. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got and, one and more one more story to go here, and it's just sort of, um, it's interesting news. And it's actually a story that might get you to take a job in Washington, Dan. Uh, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton has asked the uh, U.S. Botanic Garden to start growing cannabis. Uh, specifically, Holmes Norton wrote the garden's executive director requesting that the Living Plant Museum display cannabis in recognition of the country's legalization efforts. She asked that both male and female marijuana plants be included. Uh, previously, Holmes Norton wrote the Botanic Garden requesting that hemp, which had been legalized federally, be included in the collection. 
According to Norton, that request was granted as she tweeted that she's pleased the garden now displays marijuana's cousin. The congresswoman said, um, as individual states and the country as a whole are moving towards the legalization of marijuana, having a display with male and female marijuana plants would be a historic opportunity to highlight the impact of marijuana on an American society and especially the American economy. So regarding that economy, Holmes Norton said that cannabis sales are projected to reach approximately $33.6 billion by the end of this year and as much as $53.5 billion by 2027. Uh, pot possession and cultivation are legal in D.C. as voters approved adult use cannabis in 2014. However, uh, they are there are currently no legal sales in the nation's capital as a federal rider continues to block D.C. from establishing an adult use retail system. As for requesting uh, to display cannabis publicly, the Botanic Garden is located in Washington, D.C., where cultivation is legal. However, the garden itself is on federal land where cannabis remains a Schedule One narcotic. But interesting nonetheless. Uh, what do you think? Cannabis in the Botanic Garden. <laughs> well, I'd like to see it. And I think, uh, you know, the congressman makes a good point. It, it's it's a part of our economy and it's a huge part of our economy, even though it's not even in every state yet. And it's already uh, multi-billion uh, competing with, you know, the, the big five. It's in the big five, but it's competing with, you know, the big ones, corn and soybeans and wheat and, you know, it's, as far as agricultural products, it's uh, it's it's up there. So I think it makes sense. But again, you know, of course, you've got that federal versus state thing going on, which is always kind of a trip. Like when you're, you know, you happen to be on on federal land of a, in, you know, a, a park or uh, something like that. And, and the laws are completely different. And then you step off and then the laws have changed again. Uh, and you're back to state law. I think it's, it's strange. We're living through funny times, but I would certainly love to see uh, male and female cannabis plants mingling together in the U.S. Botanic Garden. It does sound good. So there you go. Maybe you'll be the uh, the first cannabis grower in, uh, at the Botanic Garden in D.C. <laughs> All right. Well, that go that's a look at what's going on in the world of weed. Um, but we should we should uh, set up this interview that we're doing. Uh, obviously, it's a little unusual. But um, why don't you explain to the people what we're going to do this week? Yeah, we want to replay uh, an interview that we did uh, a while back with our friend Milo Young uh, of Big Buddha Seeds, also known as Big Buddha, um, and also known as Mike uh, to some people as well. Uh, he passed away last week, uh, unfortunately, far too young, uh, apparently uh, fell asleep and, and didn't wake up, which, you know, isn't the worst way to go. But uh, I just I feel really bad for all his friends and family. Uh, got to know him pretty well over the years since he made his debut at the Cannabis Cup, I think in around 2004 or five uh, with the Big Buddha Cheese uh, and just quite an interesting character, an amazing guy, uh, a Chinese uh, uh, person, Chinese person from England, from Birmingham, England, uh, who was first generation uh, in England and basically became this you know, pothead who then became a grower and then basically brought that cheese, uh, the Exodus cheese to Holland and and then was able to produce seeds of it and then created a, an entire huge seed bank with blue cheese and, and many other crosses. 
but also just a great guy, uh, wonderful to be around, um, really knowledgeable and and told great stories. Um, you just got to kind of dial into the accent a little bit. Uh, but yeah, what a loss for the cannabis world, uh, for the breeders and, and the geneticists and everyone who loves great cannabis and great conversation uh, and, and just good people all around. Uh, Milo was certainly one of those people and we were lucky enough uh, to have him on the show a few times. We had him uh, on Free Weed. We had him on a panel, I believe, at some point in uh, Amsterdam as well. And then we had him uh, in this final appearance uh, on Grow Bud Yourself. So uh, I guess without further ado, uh, let's take a break and come back and we'll replay that interview uh, with our dear departed friend, Milo Young of Big Buddha Seeds. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, so we are back and we have another very special guest this week. Uh, he is a Cannabis Cup winner uh, multiple times and a world-renowned, uh, you know, a breeder of cannabis and grower. Uh, so I'd like to welcome to the show Milo uh, from Big Buddha Seeds. Hey, guys. How, how are you, Mike? Any? Uh, great to be on the show. Uh, well, yeah, calling from some sunny Birmingham, UK. Uh, Birmingham, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the home of Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy and, Osbourne uh, just and the Peaky Blinders, right? Yeah, Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where that uh, that interesting accent comes from as well. Yeah, that's where the, <laughs> the pronounced accent uh, right. comes from. Yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, you sort of, it, it's, it's almost 20 years now uh, since 2002, uh, when you started developing the Big Buddha cheese, which became sort of a, a signature strain for you uh, in the er, you know early to mid two thousands, uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, you know your your background growing up uh, in in England and uh, w you know where your love of cannabis came from. Um, I, I was obviously born and raised in, in Birmingham. Uh, I started smoking at an early age, uh, at a time when it was just uh, what what you could get here on the streets was uh, sort of like Afghani black, and uh, you know sort of like Mexican like shrag weed. Uh, that, that's it's something called soap bar as well. I've yeah, soap bar. There was a lot of that as well, and uh, that's when I started getting into it. And then um, 
eventually that led on to sort of dealing, then eventually that led on to sort of growing weed. And then uh, I, I was growing weed for a few years. Um, used to read like sort of like High Times magazines and uh, another uh, edition called Weed World and uh, another magazine called Red Eye uh, based in the UK. Um, you could basically just go into Tower Records and pick them up. So uh, when I was younger, I used to go to town and, and, and like, you know, avidly buy these magazines. And this is where I learned about things like, you know, uh, read about things like Ariane. And like when he started winning the prizes with all these whites, White Widow and White Shark and uh, 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 around these times. And then uh, later on, I, I, with a little love and passion for the marijuana, I uh, I eventually got speaking to the editors of Red Eye magazine. Um, this is this guy called Nick, uh, who's also known as Zorro um, in, in our business. And he sort of mentioned to me, oh, I have a friend who has a, a cheese clone who grows the cheese. And, uh, you know, we thought, oh, oh, you know, uh, because the magazine was sort of uh, quarterly, you know, I'd go visit him every sort of two, three months. So a few months passed away. And then I went to visit him again. And uh, he had three clones for me. And uh, of, of, of cheese, uh, which he got from the, the Exodus family. From then on, it's, it's been just like a, a, a huge journey. But uh, from there, I, I, I took it and... Um, is through I think it was one of these high times articles where he was uh, interviewing Jorge Cervantes, and it was just like uh, the basics of breeding, and uh, and he was talking to me about sort of like was, I read about sort of back crossing, and like you know how to make you know back crosses of, of the generation, um, and so what I did was I selected a, a, a male uh, from seed from a, 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 a neighbour of mine who used to work at the at the garage uh, garage next door to, to, to my, my parents' Chinese takeaway. They, uh, he used to be like a famous uh, hash smuggler in the 80s. Um, and then so this is where the Afghani seeds came from, from, from there. Uh, I, I need to select a, a male from there because I knew that it was like a pure Afghani. So I knew that, uh, you know, via the back crosses and stuff, you can take that, take out the male as much. So when I'm selecting, I'm selecting traits which are more similar to the cheese every time I, I, I back crossed. And uh, this went on for about two, three years. And then um, that's, that's when there was already like a, a, a sample of cheese already which won the homegrown fantasies the cannabis cup uh the the the, the, the year before that was uh, maybe oh five or oh four i think it was oh five yeah 05. and they won a okay. third place yeah right and um mm -hmm. and then uh, the year afterwards uh i i i i turned up at the at the the the, the, the i think it, i think it was the melvin i can't remember which venue it was uh -huh. we just had a little setup a little desk had a little me and my partner. We had like a little say cheese, and uh, we we were selling seeds. And uh, I, I managed to bring over roughly around 150, 200 grams of of uh, 
of good cheese with, with, with us as well. And then, uh, you know, I can remember sort of Jack Hero and Ed Rosenthal walking around and like, yeah, look at this guy, look at this guy, he's the one. Uh, and you can, and I, can, I knew during that week was, uh, was going to be a special week because of the, the, the buzz that we generated from it. Uh, and then obviously the winning night was when uh, you was there because you was handing out the awards that night. And that was uh, a, a, an absolute life-changing moment, mate. It was, uh, it was a time where I thought, oh my God, something that spanned from like a passion and love for the plant has really taken it to a point where, you know, I can, you know, I can sort of make the, make it be comfortable for the rest of my life, you, you know, with this plant. And um, since then, it's just been a, an absolute roller coaster. Um, you know, uh, from then afterwards, uh, the, the the coffee shops started demanding it. Then it managed to get into the hands of like uh, big, big like you know gangs of people who were you know uh, copying it, making clones from it, like you know two thousand to twenty thousand clones a, a, a week. You know, and just passing it around or Holland, and so uh, eventually it was more or less in every single coffee shop uh, in Amsterdam, and uh, so I knew to you know to stick with the brand and to stick with the seeds and carry on making the seeds of it to because uh, obviously you know these guys who are growing the bud and stuff are, are they're making the money from it sort of thing, you know, um, and. Um, yeah, it just it, it just it just turned into an absolute uh, uh, an explosion of people loving it. People loved the taste of it. You know, we got to a, a point that, like, you know, here on the streets of the UK, it was what everybody just wanted to smoke. Because, uh, you know, mostly in Europe as well, people are smoking with tobacco, and, and so uh, you know, cheese was one of these very very. Uh, like you know, tasty weeds where it covered and masked mastered the taste of uh, the tobacco in your in your your, your mixer joint, right. and then uh, and so I never yeah I never realized that that was one of the appeals. Uh, you know, it does have a very strong smell and a very strong flavor, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it, amazing. And it had it's, like a, the taste was so sort of unique, and it still is unique to this right. day. Mm-hmm. Um, the ceiling of the high, you can continuously get high off it because, you know, some, some marijuana you smoke and literally after about ten, like 10 days, two weeks of smoking it every day, you get kind of immune to it, you know, it, it doesn't taste of anything, whereas cheese you could, so that's why I called it like a, a no ceiling, it just didn't have a ceiling to it. Right. You know, and, uh, yeah, I think that's that uh, the the Afghan side of you know that really potent sort of in hash hashy indica, yeah, potency. Yeah. So. Now, from my side, uh, you know, I remember that year pretty pretty well. <laughs> Some of it is a bit hazy, but I do remember da- uh, David Bienenstock and I sitting down with you and you telling me, you know, try this, mate. You know, this is the cheese, the cheese, and uh, and you know, you were basically virtually unknown at the time. I mean, you were really kind of 
new on the scene. You know, you mentioned that Cheese had won uh, for for coffee shop third place the year yeah. before. Yeah. But yeah. you were you were bringing that you know the real cheese into the seed company competition where and I was bringing it to people who had ac- could get access to it. Right. You know, not everybody could go to Amsterdam and and can purchase it and consume it. Right. So well, and, you know, then there's won, obviously a lot of growers. You know. It won first place that year, and I had the honor of actually uh, announcing the win, handing you that first cannabis cup, which. Uh, I'll never forget. You know, I tell the story multiple times, but you know, I just remember the 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 electricity that was like coursing through. Uh, you know, you you I gave you a big hug, and and you know, you were you were like shaking. You know, like yeah, man. the the shock and the and the joy and everything was just palpable. And uh, you know, to this day, I, I I can still remember that uh, it was so unique at the time. So in a in a sea of things that are very similar, yeah, it was so it stood out, you know, so Something much because it, it, yeah. yeah, it's unique. And since then, you've obviously uh, made a lot of different crosses uh, using the cheese, including obviously blue cheese, which is also uh, very popular. Yeah, that was really good. That was um, crossed with. Uh... At the time, I bought uh, like a whole selection of different blueberries, and there was like a, it was a DJ Short, the original, mm-hmm. um, which which uh, had the most sort of pronounced flavour to it, and uh, so I, I crossed that to the cheese, and that's where the the the, the blue cheese uh, arrived from. More of a more of a fruitier bouquet to it, but. Uh, the, the, the acridness of berries and old school, it, it was just a, a lovely combination. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And uh, you also have a lot of other strains. Um, you know, people can obviously check out BigBuddhaSeeds.com yeah. and see, I mean, the cherry moon pie and the Hindu cream and badass cheese yeah. and yeah. Some, just some real uh, amazing uh, strains. A lot, a lot of e-crosses now that we make these days, we use... Uh, we do obviously feminize with them, but uh, we have a version of cheese, uh, which was a, a, a cheese that we met, we have from the seed selection, uh, which uh, is which is our basically our donor parent, uh, which which produces the 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 flowers to to, to uh, produce the feminized seeds from it. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that process, uh, feminizing seed. What do you? Where do you start? What do you do? Um, the, the, at the beginning, there was a few different sort of methods of uh, of chemical usage. There was one was which was uh, gibberic acid, and then uh, the other one, which is the STS version, which is what we use. This is a uh, sodium thiosulfide and uh, silver nitrate. Um, it's used for cleaning vinyl and things like that, so it's pretty common chemicals. But um, it's a combination of that mixed with uh, water down to a certain pH. Um, and what it does is you introduce it to your female plants um, intermittently, so maybe like three, four times a week, uh, just to treat it. And then after a few weeks, it, it, it changes, it reverses sex. It kind of, it's almost like shocks itself. And then uh, the, the way that a cannabis plant acts is to, uh, is to defend himself, is to automatically reproduce. And this is when uh, the, it, it, it brings out the male characters because it's looking for, you know, someone to, to, to continue life with. And um, this is how the, the feminized process works. However, um, 
it takes a lot of time and data and uh, environmental control and a lot of factors to uh, determine what what you can use as a, a, a constant uh, donor um, you know because obviously each single plant is different each different plant reacts differently at times and things and so it's a, a, a lot to do with research and development but um, you know if, if you're looking to make a, a feminized version of it you know you have to have trusted sort of parents and you you know experience of your plant and then uh, you, you just got to see how they react you know if you've got a library of of uh, of plants maybe it's nice just to put like one room aside or one square meter where you could put like 10 15 plants in there of each different variety and you 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 spray and then you you, you log you, you see which one reacts which one develops flowers quickly and then also as well when the flowers because a lot of things will just develop and uh, the male the male sign comes out the flowers come out but it doesn't actually open some of them doesn't it and so the, the the pollen isn't actually viable and so like you know some plants only uh, are, are you know almost like a transvestite sort of uh, like you know donors uh, when they're just firing blanks basically and um, y you know it's so it's all uh, research and data really and, and what you can sort of clay over the years and then so you know what kind of works um, like say for example our, our growers so we have these which is our own but something recently that we've really which really works really well is a uh, a plant called purple peyote by a, a company from sweet seeds and uh, the reason why it does so well on the reversals because it constantly produces flowers and uh, the flowers are consistent and the seeds it, it, they're like a regular Ken which is what I like because uh, the, 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 the lights are on for the parents the, 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 you know the star that shows the, the mother you know who you're trying to replicate and so like the, uh, the purple peyote it adds colour, it adds a THC uh, like good profile on it and then um, it, 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 it passes on most of its genes from its mother in its offspring so you know you know it's all different ones you know if you cross it with like an OG Kush feminized or something like that uh, a, a lot of it like the genes will come out Kushy like Kushy like profile so it's all in it's all in the research I suppose yeah so it's more work than just uh, you know, selfing a plant or yeah, forcing need, a female to, to become a hermaphrodite. And yeah, you, you need time and uh, space. And then you need to also know what you're doing. And then you also need, also need to just uh, to sort of like research your data. However, you know, you, you can do it like, you know, simply at home with one plant. You know, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it in rooms of like, you know, 20, 30 lights. So, you know, we're getting roughly like, you know, 200, 300,000 seeds per per room sort of thing. So, we, we, uh, out, out in, uh, this, in Spain, where my guys are, they, that's, uh, that's the kind of infrastructure they've got. Yeah, interesting. And you also have some autoflower seeds as well. 
um, including Buddha Hayes, yeah. uh, Cheezel, Sour Cheezel. Yeah, uh, there's a whole collection of them. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that process as well. That's 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 a real difficult trait because, as you said, you can't really, you don't have much time to sort of keep them in their veg state because as soon as you put lights under them, they start flowering. So it's 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 a it's a faster version of uh, of uh, of sort of doing it, as in to say you have to do the selection as quick as you can. But like it, it's pretty hard to uh, to copy an auto flower, you know, because it's constantly budding, and so uh, to to reproduce them, you, you you start from like sort of fresh seed stock, and so that's why you got like different generations of of auto flower now. You know, we're talking, I think it's like we're on like generation eight or nine now. You know, it's been like eight, nine years since we've been doing it. But uh, it's uh, it's an annual thing, you know. That's, uh, yeah, but they're, it's not, they're it's made... not a situation where you can keep mother plants for years and years because they just start no, flowering. No, yeah. And then like, uh, you know, at the beginning, it was a bit finicky. You was getting plants which were, um, you know, just tiny like two and a half grams or something just a tiny little like lollipop stick mm -hmm. and then um later on we 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 had these like you know great monsters which finished after about 60 65 days like eight weeks um and it was like you know a meter meter 20 and it was like you know 200 grams plus of, of, of bud you know so you know it, it really works well so that's great that's great and now tell me uh, lately it seems like uh you know you've been going after some of the the, the sweeter fruitier uh and citrusy kind of things you've yeah got the, the, the lemon the, cake and the stranana sunday yeah the, the the fruity flavors uh i've been getting into um i'm i'll tell you the truth i'm really loving the skittles at the moment and uh, I'm loving all the the offspring of Skittles as well, the, the sherbet Skittles, got this, um, the the Kush uh, Skittles, and uh, we, we've got like a, a cheese version. We've got the Zitos, uh, that's been uh, that's in uh, flower form in, in California from my friends at Karma uh, Karma Cartel. Uh, he he's uh, pushing the Zitos flower over over in California. Um, but it's, uh, it, I, I love these flavors, I, I, you know, um, I, I love the fruity flavors, I, I love uh, what's new, you know, it's just like myself when I first came to the shows, you know, uh, I, yeah, we, we was always interested in like tasting the new ones, I remember like Luke from Paradise Seeds, when he had the first uh, Scentsy Star, can you remember that? Oh yeah, you know <laughs> absolutely. And it was, was one of these ones which you tasted, and you just think, "Oh my god!" And so, like you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not really. I, I love it when somebody else comes to me, and and shows me something which, wow, you know, something that you just want to smoke all day, every day, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was a game changer. I grew that one for years. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, Sunsy the, Star. The Sunsy Star, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And speaking of growing, uh, what would you say your preferred method is for, for cultivation? For me, uh, I, I, I was raised up by rasters. 
so we did it naturally like with you know all soil and earth um obviously you know I'm, I, I like technology so uh uh you know we, we we obviously just put like drippers and and feed it like automated and uh making sure the environment's correct uh, a good exhaust fan you know good carbon filter uh to to, to hide the smells because most of the grows that uh, for personal use are, are done in like urban areas um, in, in England and in Spain and then uh, but um, yeah I, I like to do organic I've started just to get into the the LED lights now and uh, I, I'm just uh, I just spoke to the guys at uh, a company called Sanled and uh, they're going to supply one of my rooms with uh, with, with LEDs uh, that, that that they've got from Austria, so uh, yeah. Now, yeah. Um, what about uh, you know you're back in the UK now from Spain, uh, and you mentioned that there's some some talented uh, breeding going, talented breeders doing some work in the UK. Um, so uh, what is what does the future hold, uh, and who are some of the you know talented uh, breeders coming out now? It's it's. Eventually, the scene's moved on now. Um, you know, we live in a social media world. And, uh, you know, the, the, these new up-and-coming, like, uh, breeders, they've got, like, um, you know, they've got, like, up to 10, 20,000 followers on, on, on their Instagram. And uh, they're pushing out, like, crosses. Uh, but people like bezels... Uh, people like my friends at Lady City with genetics. Um, uh, th these guys called uh, Burnmouth Farms. You know, there's also obviously the guys at the Plug, uh, who are based in like UK and and in Spain. Um, but there's a there's a big scene here, and then also like the there's a few more sort of harvest festivals going on. There's also like a few more sort of private sort of cannabis clubs. Where they're sort of trying to copy the the Barcelona, you know, the private membership, private members clubs, or which, uh, in my opinion, it's almost like in our old days when we was younger, younger, we used to have like blues parties, which was like an illegal lock-in parties, and uh, that's what like you know people are just doing now, and uh, you know the culture is is slowly being more accepted here. Uh, obviously the use of CBD is, is still legal here as well so uh, you know on, on, on that becomes obviously the recreational side of it but um, you know uh, I, I do a lot of work for uh, the guys at uh, Mr Teddy and Salvia in uh, Barcelona and they uh, they they the, 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 the sort of role model that they've got there uh, you know, of people consuming, it's almost like Amsterdam, reborn, revisited. So, you know, during Spanabis, I, I love it out there during Spanabis, you know. But um, the UK is good, the UK is up and coming, and then my my aim is to, to sort of help all these up and coming, like, UK companies with a bit of infrastructure, with a little bit of advice, and then, uh, you know, they can take care of Buddha. <laughs> But uh, I've had a great time. I've had a great time through life and, you know, living in the beef uh, and, and, and partying out there and uh, just enjoying uh, the, the life. And then, um, 
you know, I enjoy obviously visiting and doing all the shows and uh, seeing all the people from my industry. And, uh, you know, we, we, we want the best for everybody, you know, whatever, uh, you know, if your weed stands out, it stands out, you know. Uh, uh, so I would imagine you guys probably have access to some pretty amazing Moroccan hash uh, when you're on the island of Ibiza. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's 90 me- uh, miles over the border from uh, Morocco into the, the, the south of uh, Spain, where we are. Um, however, last sort of five years, I've been uh, doing, uh, meeting a lot of guys who have the, the hash farms out in Morocco. Uh, the cheese was like, had its, uh, its uh, glory form in, in hash. But uh, they're, they're literally, the farms are producing roughly, you know, like tons and tons of like different grades of hashish. And then uh, what they're doing is now they uh, they double or triple filter, uh, it, which is basically putting it through the screens. And then they're literally trying to get out just the, the 90 of, uh, of the stuff. And uh, it, it kind of reacts differently to mixture of like the press but they, because they pressed them in like 100 gram slabs, 100, 200 gram pieces, or they, uh, they, or they prepare it for uh, eggs, which is they, 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 they beat it, and then they until it goes soft, and then uh, they, 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 they make eggs, 10 gram eggs, which people swallow to bring back. Um, <laughs> That's they call that the culero. Culero, yeah, the the hashash, but uh, the. <coughs> The genetics of Europe has slowly gotten over there now, and so uh, and then now there's a lot of like California strains. You know, this year I've seen like uh, heard about uh, groups of people making like the Skittles, the gelato, a lot of cookies, right, right. a lot of Skywalker OG, um, uh, a, a lot of seeds over there, which is of a, a, a Californian origin. However, you've still got that sort of spicy, wild taste of the, the you know, the, of a third world country, you know, somewhere where they can produce so much tons of grass and literally just to filter it all. Right, exactly. It's very interesting that that uh, process still survives. Yeah. They're adapting to the modern market as well by switching up the strains and, and you know, try, trying to make a more pure product. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Our friend, our friend Craig Coffey likes to say that uh, he he prefers his hash with sharp corners. Yeah, <laughs> it has a almost like an incense like feel when when you're burning a joint of it, and um, the spiciness you get of it. It's different to sort of right. something Real if you was just making horror. like water hash, or or you're making your own dry sift at home. Because it hasn't got that sort of taste to it, sort of thing. But uh, you know, it's 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 a mixture of the genetics, and also as well, maybe it's been mixed with other genetics of of like localized Moroccan, and it has that all around flavour. But um, yeah, I love the effect that it gives me, and uh, you know, there's nothing better than just like partying, and then like you know, smoking hash and and marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, what does the future hold for for Big Buddha Seeds? Uh, and know how they can uh, find out more information, uh, websites, Instagrams, and such. Sure. Uh, 
the future is good. Uh, as we said, uh, we're going to be working with a lot more sort of new companies and new talent out there uh, in Europe and, and UK. And um, we're going to continue obviously pushing uh, ourselves and all our friends. Uh, varieties, they're always good because uh, we're always in, in with the fashion. So we kind of have our eyes to the ground when it comes to sort of finding the, the, the newest clones and stuff and then like you know then so there's a like the, as i said the new ones like a, a, a skittles cross uh, and then also we've got like a cush mints uh which uh, we had like the thin mints uh, a, a few years back uh which is a version of that however the cheese it's uh it's a classic strain you know it's like 501 jeans you know, goes in and out of fashion every now and again. You know, so uh, we, uh, you know, we, we we truly believe that like one of our strains is classic, and we still uh, we still ride from it, and it's still my 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 ultimate plant sort of thing. Um, if you want to obviously read about more, go onto our website www.bigbuddhaseeds.com. Uh, however, also we've got the Instagram running, which is Big Buddha Seeds. And then also Big Buddha Talks. Um, just, uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to, to, to be here and uh, good to see you, Danny. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, and uh, to Milo, Big Buddha Seeds, check them out. Uh, we will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself. Hey friends, I just want to let you know that friends don't let friends bring clones home. You don't know what the phenotypes are. You don't know whether there's pests or disease on those clones. The only way to really truly guarantee you're growing the phenotype of choice is through seeds. And the best way to get the seeds you want is through Seeds Here Now. Established way back in 2010, Seeds Here Now has been satisfying customers with the best genetics from the best breeders in the world. Pretty much anyone you want, they've got. With an average rating of 4.8 stars, Seeds Here Now is one of the most trusted and respected seed banks in the world. And Seeds Here Now is the only seed bank with a satisfaction guarantee. Plus, Seeds Here Now offers regular deals on seeds. Just click the On Sale tab on their website to see that month's deals on a variety of incredible genetics. And if you sign up for their email list, you'll be entered to win free seeds every time a Seeds Here Now email goes out. And... Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the promo code GBY10 for 10% off anything on the site. So check out SeedsHereNow.com and get started on your own dream garden. All right, welcome back. And uh, yeah, thank you for uh, sitting through that uh, interview that we did uh, with Big Buddha, with Milo Young, um, you know, definitely uh, sad to see him gone, but uh, a lot of great information and what a great guy. So um, thanks, you guys. And, uh, you know, love to all his friends and family and Big Buddha, Big Buddha Seeds and, and uh, everyone that knew and loved him for sure, you know. Um, but now we are in the cultivation segment. Uh, we do not have a strain of the fortnight this week. Uh, but we do have a grow tip, and my grow tip is about uh, basically diagnosing and treating rust. 
uh, rust fungus. It's a type of fungus uh, that appears typically during the flowering period. Um, now, there are uh, there's also something like rust spots, and that's something that usually happens uh, because of bad water, things like uh, chlorine and other pollutants in your water that can cause basically what we call rust spots, uh, which are, you know, like round spots, uh, similar to rust fungus, but uh, but different. So the, the, the fungus rust will first appear as a yellowing spot on the on the leaves on fan leaves. Um, and then those kind of infected sites where the yellowing spots are, um, will start to show raised red bumps uh, on those leaves. And that's why it's called rust that redness kind of looks like um, metal rust, uh, but in these sort of spots, round spots on your leaves. Um, it's a fungus. It's caused by a fungus. It's a fungus that really likes high humidity. It thrives um, in really high humidity. So if you can bring your humidity down to, you know, 50% or below RH, which is relative humidity, um, that's certainly going to help you in avoiding rust. Um, the fungus is systemic. Um, so it can be there in, you know, without being visible at all. Um, and then basically once the plant starts flowering, uh, a couple of weeks or so into the flowering process, uh, it'll start showing signs of, of this rust fungus. Um, so, you know, it's definitely bad for your plants to have this and it spreads. So you really want to basically reduce, uh, reduce the amount of rust as quickly as possible. The first factor in that is humidity. So get your humidity below uh, 50%. Um, you can also reduce the stress levels of your plants, uh, use B vitamins, uh, and just make sure the environment's good, the temperature and the humidity, uh, humidity below 50, uh, temperature uh, between, you know, 65 and 75. Uh, and that will help you as far as environmental conditions are concerned. Um, some people will use colloidal silver as a foliar spray. Uh, I don't recommend that. I think uh, there's too many things that can go wrong. That's actually the exact thing that they use, um, that breeders will use to turn plants into hermaphrodites. So it's not something I recommend. Um, I also don't really recommend pine oil fertilizers. Uh, I think, you know, there's certainly fungicidal sprays um, that are natural that are out there. Uh, um, and that's what I would recommend, systemic fungicidal spray uh, that basically you can use as a as a as a as a foliar feed, but because typically this problem happens during flowering, um, it's not something where you want to spray the entire plant. Uh, you really want to basically just focus um, that fungicidal spray onto fan leaves and not flowers. That's really important. Um, some people will burn sulfur. Uh, they'll use sul sulfur burners. They do this for powdery mildew um, and rust. Uh, and it does, uh, you know, it does have a strong effect in stopping fungus. Uh, but I just, you know, that sulfur smell um, and getting that, you know, into flowers um, is just really always a, a no-no for me. I'm totally against um, using sulfur burners just because they don't discriminate between uh, the bud and the leaf. Um, so really, like I would say, um, the best thing to do is spot spray. Um, treating basically just the infected leaves without spraying your flowers um, and use a fungicidal uh, spray that you can find that's natural. That's really important. Um, and reducing humidity, very, very important. So 
that's basically how to deal with uh, rust fungus. Um, keep in mind, you know, there's rust spots that can happen from bad water. Uh, spots can also happen uh, as some some nutrients just aren't available. So you want to diagnose it for sure as rust fungus before you treat it. Um, but whether it's powdery mildew or rust, uh, it's basically the same. Drop humidity, um, control heat and, and environment, um, and use some type of uh, safe fungicidal spray uh, and spray just the affected fan leaves. Um, or you can spray the other fan leaves too, uh, because like I said, it's systemic, but definitely do not want to spray flowers. Um, and I would avoid things like colloidal silver, um, things like sulfur burners uh, and that sort of uh, stuff. I would just, and you know, there's also strains that are are, are more resistant to things like PM and rust. Um, and if you're in a place where it's just everywhere uh, and you can't get rid of it and you can't control it, then maybe a change of genetics is in order. Um, and you can find PM resistant and rust resistant strains typically in places where that's a big deal, like the Pacific Northwest uh, or Western Canada. A lot of the breeders out there have developed strains that can withstand that kind of thing because that's what they deal with. So uh, I hope that helps out. Uh, that is uh, my tip about rust. All right. Excellent growth tip. And uh, yes, it is now time to take some questions from our listeners. If you have a question and you would like it answered, uh, get in touch with us. You could reach us by email. That is info at growbudyourself.com. So let's jump right in here with our new friend, Booby. <laughs> <laughs> And Booby writes, uh, Danny and Mike, I hope all is well. I have a question pertaining to breeding. I recently acquired a pack of Afghani and Skunk One, both regular seeds. I'm wanting to cross the two to create what I believe to be a strain already in existence called Critical Mass. This would be my first ever breeding project. Would you be able to provide me with a refresher on what characteristics you're looking for from a male plant? Also... Uh, what does completing the cross look like? I know I'm looking for pollen from a male, then applying it to a female bud site. I've heard some breeders say they like to cover the site of pollen application with a brown paper bag. But, well, once I get the seeds from this project, assuming they're going to be regular seeds, what's next? Theoretically, am I able to repeat the process with the Afghan male if I used the skunk one male to pollinate the female Afghani in the first round of crossing? Uh, thanks for your help. Shout out to the GBY army. Love booby. So yeah, uh, Dan, what advice would you have here for booby? Yeah, uh, definitely uh, interesting question. Um, shout out to the GBY army indeed. Uh yeah, so let's start at the beginning. You have a pack of Afghani and a pack of skunk number one, both regular seeds. Um, you want to cross the two to create what you believe to be a strain already in existence called critical mass. Now, here's the thing. When you cross those two, uh, there's no guarantee you're going to get uh, critical mass out of that. In fact, um, there's um, almost very little chance of that in, in reality because critical mass is a particular pheno of that cross it could be a one in a million um type of, of of finding of those two things so um what i would first do is basically uh you can choose for characteristics that are most like the critical mass if you're from if you're very familiar with that strain um very popular in europe um for sure particularly spain 
Um, so if you know what you're looking for, um, you can come close to finding it. So, uh, and maybe get lucky and find something, you know, almost identical. Uh, but the, the idea of finding that exact thing would probably be kind of tough. Um, now, as far as characteristics uh, that you're looking for from a male plant, uh, I don't, I haven't done a lot of breeding uh, on my own. So this would be basically secondhand information from breeders to whom I've asked this question a lot. Uh, so Really, uh, you know, you rub the stem of the male and you get an idea of what type of uh, uh, terp profile it's going to provide. Uh, it's also going to help you as far as, you know, a short and stockier male uh, is going to hopefully result in shorter and stockier uh, children as well. So that's a characteristic you might be interested in. Um, males also do produce uh, trichomes. And so there is ways, I mean, if, if, if you can sort of get, let the male get uh, a little bit older and, and actually like, you know, take the, off the flower and consume that, you know, there, there's a certain effect you're going to get from the, the, the keeper male uh, that you won't get from other ones. So that's something that's important. Um, how quickly the male flowers uh, is also a consideration as well. If it turns purple as it matures, there's all different basically different uh, characteristics that you're choosing for. And that's really kind of a personal thing uh, as far as what you're looking for. Um, but once you find the male that you'd like, you do apply the pollen from the male um, to a female bud site. As far as covering that with a brown paper bag, that's basically a way that uh, mostly outdoor growers in particular will try to keep the pollen from spreading to other branches and they'll just get one branch sort of infested with seeds rather than the whole plant because pollen is very light and will travel through the air uh, great distances. So uh, if it's in the grow room with a fan blowing, uh, it's really difficult to keep the po male pollen from pollinating your all your buds and creating uh, all seeds amongst your plants. But if you don't care and you're just breeding uh, for that purpose, then there's really no reason to use that brown paper bag method. All you would need to do is take that male pollen apply it to a female flower, basically at around two, you know, the, the, between the second and the fourth week or so of flowering. Once you see, uh, you know, flowering bud sites developing, uh, little, little, the little puff balls, the little, you know, cotton ball, uh, white haired flowers, female flowers. Once you start seeing those forming, uh, that's when you can basically start applying uh, male pollen to those buds. And instead of producing seedless flowers, they'll produ produce flowers filled with seeds. And those will be an F1 hybrid, basically of the Afghani skunk one cross that you made. Um, now that first filial stage, that F1 hybrid stage is going to result in plants that are similar to the, the male and similar to the female uh, with traits, uh, mixed up traits, basically of the two. Uh, so you'll have a variety of different phenotypes um, the good part about that is you'll have uh, hybrid vigor as well, because these are two sort of genetically different plants, although Afghan, Afghani and skunk aren't super different genetically, but far enough apart that you're going to result in something new and different. So from that F1 generation, um, you will have regular seeds, you'll have males and females, uh, and you can grow out the males and females of that and then cross those. Uh, and and that would then result in an F2 uh, second filial uh, generation. Or you can take the pollen from that first 
male and cross that with the children, the progeny, uh, resulting in basically something that's if you're if you're trying to go for stability rather than pheno hunting, um, you would want to then choose the traits that you want to stabilize and pick plants with those traits to continue down the line. Um, now that's a breeding project for stabilization. A breeding project for pheno hunting, where you're really trying to find that, you know, one in a million, one in a thousand, whatever it might be, um, that you're going to grow the females out of that F1 generation and you're going to uh, basically flower those females. And, and that's how you're going to know um, which ones to continue with your breeding process. Um, as far as switching back to the skunk one male pollen and using Afghan male, it, it's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really work that way where you're going to get the same thing from crossing uh, a male skunk with a female Afghani or a male Afghani with a female skunk. Um, it's going to be two totally different things um, because one will dominate uh, in some cases and, and one won't. Um, so there, and there's even genetics that are um, recessive and, and will only appear in grandchildren of, you know, they'll skip a, skip a generation. So uh, it is important to understand breeding uh, it's fun and exciting to do, but it is also important to know uh, what you're looking for and to have a goal in mind. So good luck with that, uh, Booby, and I hope uh, your experiment results in something new and interesting and fun and can't wait to smoke it with you someday. Yes, thank you, Booby. We hope to see you soon. Um, I guess uh, the takeaway there is that breeding is not really like a recipe. It's not adding A plus B to get C. Uh, there's a lot of variation there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how, you know, new things come about, new flavors, new uh, terpene profiles and, and new uh, sort of potency levels. All right. Very good. Let's uh, let's move on to Chris S. who writes, hey, guys. On a recent GBY episode, we were told in an interview that when using the paper towel method for popping the seed, it's best to include the wet paper towel bit along with the seed. What's your take on this? I mean, why do it? What's the advantage? So what would you say to Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, I don't recall the exact interview that that was mentioned in, but I think uh, one thing that we're always stressing, whether you're working with uh, a, a just open seedling or a plant that you're transplanting is to be really gentle with the roots um, because they're very sensitive, especially uh, a just sprouted taproot. So I think the advantage here is um, if that just sprouted taproot has sort of attached itself to the paper towel, um, rather than separating it from the paper towel, uh, just plant it with the paper towel, and in that way, it's uh, it's less disturbing to the taproot um, because it's going to basically just continue to grow, and and the the wet paper towel is not going to hurt it in any way. Um, but I think the idea there is just not to cause any stress or damage to that really sensitive um, emerging taproot that just basically popped out of the seed. Um, it's like a newborn baby; you just have to be real gentle. Uh, and get it into its growing medium uh, without any stress on it. And I think that's the reason why someone would just take the whole chunk, the, the wet paper towel and the just pop seed and throw that right into the hole, um, cover it up and, and water it in. 
All right, makes sense. Uh, thank you, Chris. We hope that helps. And uh, let's let's do one more here. This comes from Saint Peter, and he writes: uh, Is it possible to take a clone of a clone, and if so, will the resulting plant be diminished at all, or will you still get all the same qualities of the original mother? So, uh, what would you say here to Saint Peter? Yeah, you know, this is a question I get a lot. I may have answered it in the past, but why not answer it again for people um, who are just tuning in? Because uh, it's important to understand. I think the way that I look at it, you know, this is something that they used to call, or maybe still called genetic drift, a clone of a clone of a clone. The idea being that it's almost like, you know, when you take a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, what happens is eventually it sort of degrades in quality um, and and different things that happen uh, repeat themselves basically with the next generation of photocopy. Now, I don't believe that I don't believe in genetic drift. I don't think that taking a clone of a clone of a clone um, is, is going to genetically alter that uh, clone in any way. What I do believe in is environmental drift, meaning if the plant has been through stress, uh, that stress will be held inside the clone that you take from that plant. So uh, when you're taking a clone of a mother plant that has gone through a lot of stress, it's going to carry that stress with it, w whether that stress is, you know, disease, uh, a systemic disease that's right there within it, or whether it's just uh, trauma that the plant has been through in the past um, that it never really fully recovered from, just like people, uh, plants can can have that effect. So for me, I wouldn't, I think calling it genetic drift um, doesn't really do it justice. I think it really is more environmental um, because I have seen healthy clones of a clone of a clone basically taken for for decades um, from plants that were just kept very, very healthy. And then I've seen plants that have lost their vigor entirely um, because the clones were taken from plants that were stressed and those clones came from stressed plants. So basically keeping your plants happy will keep those clones happy uh, and their children will be happy. And um, if the parents are unhappy, the children will be unhappy. So it's kind of uh, a matter of that. What's interesting now uh, is with tissue culture, you can actually go down to the cellular level and actually sometimes remove uh, those stresses and uh, systemic endemic sort of issues that a plant had, um, whether it be something like powdery, uh, powdery mildew or uh, rust, which we talked about, or even uh, a, a predilection for certain pests or whatever it might be. Um, once you've taken it down to its cellular form and done that uh, micro cloning that is tissue culture in a uh, sterile environment, you can actually basically sometimes in some cases bring back uh, plants that have, have been damaged uh, environmentally and bring out the genetics that they were actually born with originally. So um, that's kind of an interesting way. I, I, I think that technology is still being developed. I mean, not the tissue culture technology, but the technology to actually, um, you know, remove the stress um, from a plant and and basically reinvigorate uh, a tired uh, or stressed uh, plant line or, or cultivar. So yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of interesting things to happen in the future with that. And I think uh, um, I would, again, call it environmental rather than genetic drift. All right. Excellent. Thank you, St. Peter.
thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. Uh, you can email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a very short break, come back and wrap this sucker up? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right. Welcome back. Uh, This is the wrap. Just want to say thank you uh, to you guys for listening. Thank you to all the friends and family of uh, Milo Young, Big Buddha from Big Buddha Seeds. Uh, Rest in peace, our friend. Uh, We we won't forget you and uh, you will live on in the plants that you created and also in the memories of all of us who uh, continue on in your memory. So thank you to him. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Seeds Here Now, uh, seedsherenow.com. Use the code GBY free ship for free shipping on all seeds that you order. Now is the time. Uh, in fact, you know, get your seed orders in ASAP because uh, particularly if you're growing outdoors, you want to get those seeds planted quickly. Also want to thank Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Uh, they've been with us for a long time and we love those uh, products and people. So Use the code DANKO15 for 15% off site-wide at sweetleaf.com. Also want to thank Excelsior Extracts. Check out their THC pain relief rub on their Instagram page. And I can't forget vapor.com, our affiliate, where you can use the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 for 20% off everything site-wide. They've got every vaporizer, every accessory, all the rolling papers, anything you need to consume cannabis they have, plus much, much more. So check them out. Thanks to our YouTube subscribers. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thank you guys the most because you guys actually put your money where your mouth is. Um, definitely want to get you guys more and more uh, extra you know, content from us for sure. And uh, thank you, Mike, for uh, you know, producing and co-hosting and doing all that you do. And uh, cheers to you on your upcoming nuptials. <laughs> <laughs> nuptials nuptials isn't that what that's called it is is that an an old-fashioned word i like it (laughs) all right good 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 yeah so episode 114 let's put it in the books